In the UK, it's compulsory for companies to offer workers that comply with particular circumstances an appropriate eye test, paid for by their employers. Offering more than the standard optician test can be a great employee benefit. And of course, there are schemes out there that can make this more affordable for businesses. It's also an opportunity for advisors who have corporate clients. My guest today talks about the positive benefits of optical health care, which not only looks after eye health, but can also help detect other illnesses early and allow early treatment. He also talks about vision care from VSP and the opportunities this can bring to advisors. That's right here on episode 11 of the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast. Hi, it's Roger Edwards here and welcome to the Empath podcast. This is the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. You can find the notes that go with the show at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. In the meantime, let's get on with the show and prepare to be inspired. So let's get started. I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, and he is Jeremy Chadwick. Jeremy is the EMEA Managing Director for VSP Vision Care, the largest vision benefits and service company in the world with over 70 million members. In addition to the UK, VSP also provides vision care benefits to the US, Ireland, Australia and Canada. Jeremy has worked in the insurance field for more than 20 years and has significant experience with strategy, underwriting, operations, customer service and distribution across multiple distribution segments. So it's a pleasure to welcome you, Jeremy, to the Empath podcast. It's great to have you on board. Thank you, Roger. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we get on to our main discussion, what would be really good, Jeremy, is you could tell us a little bit about your background so that we can get to know you and find out a little bit about what makes you tick. Thank you, Roger. Prior to VSP, I worked as commercial director for Compare the Market. I've also had significant roles with Zurich leading accidents and health insurance across Europe and I've also worked for Barclays Insurance as head of business development. My role at VSP is an exciting one. It's to lead strategy development and delivery for our vision care product right across the EMEA region. So it's, it's a big patch. It's exciting to bring a new product to the UK. I think particularly to fulfill a need in the marketplace that hasn't been previously addressed very well. And I believe that you've uh, got a little bit of a sideline um, in addition to your business interests. You've got a bit of a passion about fell running. Yes, well, maybe it's because I get to sit down a lot in my, uh, my day job and therefore standing up and putting yourself through extreme things uh, fulfills other, other sides of your ambitious personality. Back in the day, I, I was an army officer before moving into insurance and did some time as, both as a territorial and regular up in Scotland and spent a lot of time in Scottish mountains. And yeah, I guess that's where it comes from. Perhaps also my family from the northwest up on the Lancashire hills and all of that comes out in your your personality and your 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 interests apart from work I think you described to me in the green room as a, as a genetic defect uh, it's probably a genetic <laughs> defect that's probably going to keep you fit going forward so perhaps not uh, the best way to describe it Whereabouts do you do your fell running? Well, I, I, I like the long distance endurance activity, particularly mountain marathons, which are two two day events. You run more than a marathon point to point, so 30 to 35 miles on the first day. But with your with your rucksack navigating through the hills on, a, on an unseen course. 
you literally get the checkpoints when you start the event and then you do the same again on the second day uh, and it all becomes a bit of a survival exercise if you get it wrong or you can have great fun days out they tend to be held these events up, up in Scotland the Scottish Highlands um, in the Welsh Mountains Dartmoor sometimes over in, in Wicklow in Ireland uh, and, and further afield than that there's some, some stuff in Sweden I haven't got to yet but I've got my eye on but well, I don't tell my wife yet <laughs> it's great to have a great work-life balance I mean my little sideline is I'm a yoga teacher in my spare time as well which again has kept me fit for the best part of the last 15 years so moving on to the business side of things uh, I have to say I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you work in a, a part of the insurance and the financial services industry that I don't actually know a great deal about uh, and ov- obviously that's vision care but it's, it's a nice health insurance theme which I'm, I'm really quite uh, interested in learning a little bit about so maybe give us a little bit of background about VSP tell us about the VSP company and where it came from and, and how it developed VSP is a significant US insurer and provider of other services we, we are based in Sacramento California on the US west coast we have a campus there with a number of buildings and a significant employee footprints in town we are the US market leader in vision care which is the insurance offering which provides for the optical needs of consumers through through employer groups typically um, not not exclusively but the principal route to market is through employers either funded by their the, the employer for their employees and dependents or indeed on on voluntary schemes so that that's our distribution model as well as our 70 odd million vision care customers we also have other lines of business we in our stable we have Marchand who are the third largest manufacturer and distributor of eyewear across the world and distribute a number of well-known brands in all of those markets so so we have some supply side advantage through that business we also have currently 11 lens labs making the the, the lenses that go into glasses around the US and we also also in our stable have the world's largest optical practice management software business, a company called Ifinity, who have uh, a presence in Europe also. So we have a large, a large business with vertical integration. And what that allows us to do is be incredibly efficient in the both the, the provision of financial services, but also in terms of quality and cost control to our customers. And with such a wide background in insurance, you've already mentioned Zurich and Barclays. What attracted you to what you're currently doing at VSP? And what was different about VSP to the likes of Zurich and Barclays? What, what particularly appealed to me about VSP was, firstly, the, the, the social purpose enterprise nature of the business. It's always been in my DNA to do something worthwhile. Perhaps that's, perhaps that's why I joined the army. You know, you don't do it for the money certainly you've got to enjoy the mud and the cold stuff i joined the army for a reason and i suppose this also resonates we are a not-for-profit company we reinvest any surplus we make back in our business to fulfill our mission which is to help people see so that 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 ticked a big box for me when, when vsp representatives first walked in to, literally in the front door of our underwriting center at zurich in, uh, in mincing lane and uh, i had my first meeting with them as a client prospect uh, there's also a great connection in terms of personalities as well the culture of the organization plus its purpose really, really worked for me. And so I was delighted when I was approached um, to, to come across and, and work. Yeah, I, I, I've worked with quite a few American companies. I was fortunate enough to go to cross to um, the USA about uh, 10 years ago on a, on a trip which was called the Top Dog Tour. And I, and I got to spend time with companies like the Ritz-Carlton Group and Enterprise Rent-A-Car and Delancey Street in, in San Francisco. And, and sometimes those cultural elements of US companies, while some people in the UK might think it's a little bit wow and loud and in your face, I think we can learn in the UK a lot 
of the empathy and the perhaps the emotion that you can bring into a company and and that helps you to resonate with customers as well at the same time I think so moving on to today's main discussion and of course this is on the empath podcast where we talk about a business model or a new product launch a marketing campaign or simply a, a hot news story and today of course we're going to be talking to you Jeremy about the vision care benefit the offerings and how they're different to our traditional vision care models and and also want to explore with you what the UK independent financial advisor can mm. get out of this product and this, this market and what the opportunities are there for independent financial advisors. Mm. So tell us a little bit about vision care benefit to set the context. I mean, in the UK, it's a requirement, isn't it, that employers provide free eye tests for their employees. Is, is that all companies in all industries? Yeah, so, so the law is, is quite clear in terms of um, computer users. It requires all, all staff using regularly using computer screens, typically for over an hour a day or more, which is probably all of us these days. And that includes things such as uh, tablets and even mobile phones, smartphone devices. Those are computer screens. The, the law requires employers of all sizes to provide for regular vision tests to make sure that employees can see those screens and have any necessary vision correction to do that. And that, that is a legal duty actually set at European law, so it's, it's European-wide. Uh, and it's, it is I think quite well unknown about but perhaps poorly delivered in the UK market and I think the reason that that why it's poorly delivered if I'm really honest I think we are undereducated and perhaps under involved in our, our vision health here in in the UK we haven't been taught the role of vision in the same way that perhaps the dentists have really you know done a great job in terms of communicating the, the need for regular checkups frequent brushing got to go floss your teeth go and see the hygienist we've been educated over the last 20 years into a very positive space and and kids today don't have decay typically they have very beautiful white straight teeth and so the, the, the American jokes about our teeth are a bit passe now but what we we haven't yet moved forward on is the other primary care critical space which is vision we we haven't been taught that regular eye exams are critical in, in the US people typically go every year to keep a track on both vision correction but also emergent underlying health conditions which can be detected through the eye exam and that, and that is a critical point so where where we get excited is helping consumers as employees close that gap around understanding the role of vision and also help them afford better eye health. I guess I'd never really thought of that before because even on television we're bombarded with adverts for different sorts of toothpaste and and, and as you've said dental floss and, and that sort of thing but it's very rare you actually see adverts for, for vision companies. You'll see eye test companies often but not as much as dental hygiene. I've never really thought of that before. Well of course technology's moved so far that perhaps the level of education and involvement hasn't yet caught up firstly I think that's possibly a reason why Roger but also yeah. we're a little you know we're, we're quite stoic in this country and we don't tend to go to the doctor or anybody else who we detect something's wrong and given that around 68% of adults need some form of vision correction to help them see properly for any of their of their, their functions such as driving reading seeing a compu- using a computer or just everyday vision there is quite a large need you know most of the population needs some sort of help and they need to stay on top of those descriptions they're issued because they will move over time one of the great certainties for most of us is that uh, that your eyes will deteriorate over time and you will need help so it's early you know it's important to to get involved with this early to pick up any any critical conditions around the eye but uh, but not only that but to see how those health conditions that you may have emergent which can be detected through the back of the eye move over time and the, the companies whose requirement it is to provide their employees with free eye tests I assume there are different ways that they can achieve that so presumably one way is they just send their employee to the local um, 
spec savers, they get the eye test and then they bill the employer. And at the other end of the scale, the employer might come to a company like VSP and say, just you, you, you put together the whole package for us and we pay for it almost like a group insurance benefit. Is that effectively what you're doing? Exactly. And we would be at the, the richer end of the, of the market. And by, by richer, I mean the, the, the fuller service. You, you, can, you can get a free eye exam in, in many of the high street chains. And the, and the issue with that is not that you're getting a free eye exam, but the quality of that eye exam. So what, where we differ from a typical high street type offer, um, whether it be a, a voucher-led system driving you into one of the multiple chains or anything else, is the quality of the eye exam. We believe that is the foundation for a, a full healthcare and wellness program. And this is about the individual as much as the employer. The, the great thing about our product is time spent on a, a properly costed and a full eye exam allows people to get engaged more with their health and understand, for example, the impact of lifestyle choices and genetics on the capillaries at the back of the eye, which you can see through a, a, a piece of kit the optometrist will use. Look at those capillaries and see how they are changing over time, see if they've been damaged by, say, for example, high sugar intake, poor low exercise levels, and talk to you about emergent diabetes. The great thing is diseases like diabetes can be picked up up to seven years before it becomes a critical condition through the eye exam, which allows lifestyle adaptations to be made, non-clinical, non-drug dependency management of diabetes diabetes and potentially cost and, and disease avoidance for both the individual and at a group level for the employer. Now, now that starts to make a big difference in terms of your personal lifestyle, if you're affected by this, and your, your productivity as an individual. And from an employer group point of view, again, you, the costs of, of lost of productivity and increased disease, you're, you're starting to mitigate and avoid those costs. It's so often the case in, in so many aspects of life that if you start something early, you know, the benefits later become much more apparent. And what I'm really interested in now, Jeremy, is, is how did the VSP business model come about? VSP Vision Care was founded in 1955 by independent optometrists. We saw a need to help independent optometry thrive in the marketplace focused on the delivery of quality eye care as well as the provision of retail eyeglasses. Now that model continues to this day. Indeed, majority of our board are still independent optometrists. So we have a very strong optical governance model which makes sure we focus on delivering our mission of helping people see. Now, we've taken that model and adapted it clearly for the UK but it's still true to our principles and we're, we're very pleased to enjoy the support of the Association of Optometrists in the UK towards what we're doing. So it's great to have their endorsement for our proposition and we have that uniquely in the financial services industry. So we hope that independent optometrists will continue to support us we hope that through that support, we can continue to focus on the quality of the eye exam and quality of care, rather than the, perhaps the de- degradation you see in some of the high street offers, which can, can include you know, free eye exams, which don't allow time for, for the optometrist to really investigate everything that can be going on in your eye. And, and clearly, there's, you know, if it's free, there is some, some money being made somewhere in the line. We'd rather they were properly explained and properly costed at the front end, and then allowing a more independent conversation to happen around, around your eye care needs. I reckon that uh, having thought about this as you've been talking Jeremy that quite a lot of people probably don't realize that there are different what we describe levels of availability of eye tests I think a lot of people be under the impression you just pop along to the, the, the latest shopping center pop into a, a, a testing center and, and all the tests are the same I don't think a lot of people probably have any comprehension that there are different levels of quality and different degrees of testing well uh, of course you, you pay pay your money and you take your choice nothing is free in life if you you're investing a lot of money in digital retinal imagery um, equipment to photograph the back of the eye, for example, clearly that's a substantial capital investment for a business, and that has to be paid for. Um, but that, that's the kind of equipment that will allow you 
to take advantage of the health insights that are picked up through DRI imagery. If you've got a free eye exam, it's unlikely that it's going to be afforded. Or if you're drawn into um, one of these high street type offers through a free eye exam, you're probably going to be asked to pay extra for that kind of test to help afford that kind of capital cost and the time of the professional giving it to giving you advice. I think it's one of those educational opportunities we have in the marketplace to help people understand what it is they are being offered perhaps um, at no or low cost currently and where, where really that cost is being supported or what choices they're, they're making. I suppose when there's uh, a lack of knowledge amongst the, the target audience and amongst the general public about what's available, that's one of the challenges that we all face as marketeers trying to get our respective messages across. What were the challenges that VSP faced getting your initiative off the ground, particularly as you, uh, you came across into the UK? How did you overcome those challenges and how, and how did you get it to work? So the main challenge has been just the sheer amount of education that's needed in regards to eye health and making this a priority. We haven't been taught, we haven't, most of us just go for an eye exam and think it's about help, you know, getting vision correction to help me see the computer or read a book. People don't understand that the broader context as a precursor indeed to, to things such as private medical insurance. The, the, the sheer raft of chronic disease cost avoidance that, that can be picked up through the eye exam by, by early detection, disease avoidance and mitigation creates a huge saving opportunity. Now, we just don't know that. Nobody's taught us that. The great thing about VSP's heritage and experience from the US and the number of customers we have is we, we have that experience uh, and we can bring that to the marketplace and help educate people with, with hard facts. We've got some, some great independent studies showing the value of, of vision, vision care uh, and, and showing, I suppose, fundamentally the return on investment that an employer can gain from investing in this product. Do you know, recently I took an eye test and finally, after about 40 odd years without, I now have to wear reading glasses. In fact, I've got them on now uh, as I'm staring into this computer screen. One of the tests that I didn't particularly like was one where they, I don't know how you describe it, it was almost like a jet of air was fired at my eyeball. It made me recoil quite violently away from the machine. <laughs> and they, they had to say, no, no, you're going to have to sit there still. And they kept firing this air into my eyeball. What was all that about? So that's the puff test. Which, the puff which... test, that's right. I remember saying that it was a puff test and, and that's that's looking at the uh, the, the pressure and your annual eyeball so it's, it's helping pick up diseases that's what that's helping do what's the one big idea that you would like those people who are listening to the empath podcast today to take away from the experiences you've had i think that this is something new to the uk but if you've listened to the podcast please go and look at our website find out a little bit more about what we're doing look at some of the the press coverage we've had in in the trade press if you're an employee uh, benefits advisor or financial advisor uh, and look at the independent commentary about what we're doing the proposition has been incredibly well received and and i'm delighted with the response we've had in in what's been really the first nine months since launch we've still got a huge amount of education work to do we, ha we haven't been able to speak to everybody yet around the marketplace uh, i mean we're keen to do that so i think people should look at what we do satisfy themselves that it has its, its place in the market and then come and talk to us. What would you say, Jeremy, was particularly customer focused about what you're doing? It's one of the areas that I'm really quite obsessed about and I really like to highlight this in the Empath podcast, that we're all in the protection and finance industry trying to make things more acceptable and more accessible to consumers. What would you say VSP's real focus on the consumer has been? I think this perhaps comes back to the culture and the DNA of the organisation that attracted me in the first place, right? So when you when you start to touch you know, employees of VSP, you start to find out stories. People have worked at VSP not just for five years typically, but 10, 20, 30 years. 
and they, they join and they stay for a reason. It's typically because either themselves or people they know have been touched by very serious disease, which could have been avoided or has been avoided through through proper vision programs in the US. And it creates a sense of belonging and purpose that we all share. Indeed, I had a, I had a, a grandfather who was both diabetic and had glaucoma, who so was blind diabetic. And I'm pretty certain that at least one of those conditions could have been avoided or mitigated if it had been picked up earlier. And if, if we can just help a few people have a better life outcome through better health through what we do, then, then we've done something really fundamentally good. I think also when you look at the consumer, you know, we, we all have eyes. We all need this product. What happens in the marketplace at the moment is, is a partial step forward. But what we bring to the marketplace is a long way forward and it, and it leverages all the experience and scale we have. So we can create a more efficient, fuller solution for consumers at a lower cost than anything else out there in the marketplace. So when you combine those two things, the social purpose and the efficiency of what we do, it, it feels like a, a really customer-friendly, customer-focused product. And what's worked well for VSP and, and what's not worked so well? Tell us how you've modified your approach as a result of feedback. I think what's worked really well is the idea, fundamentally, that we've we've got something new. It's We've, we've definitely had to spend longer you know, the, the big learn has probably been the communication and education piece, spending longer helping people understand the role of vision care because it just it just isn't known. And I think that's probably been the biggest challenge we faced. But the biggest win has been the incredibly positive reception we've had. I haven't talked to a single stakeholder who said, do you know what, that, that just doesn't work for me, I don't understand that. When you show people the evidence and they get behind it and you look at the, the stickiness of the product, if you're a financial advisor, um, people who tend to buy our product tend to keep it. So it creates value over time, creates customer loyalty, Loyalty uh, and, and high utilization rates create participation. In otherwise, you know, in a marketplace around health and protection, which is which is tends to be you know, products are sold and introduced, and then they tend to be dormant for a long time. Ours is a, an every year product. People use it very very frequently, and so it creates lots of opportunities for advisors to, to communicate with their, their customers. I like that idea because quite a lot of the insurance that we write in the UK is long term insurance, and obviously taken out for 10, 20, 25 years. And a lot of the time, once the product's been written, the insurance company you never hear from them again. But as you've said, you've got that annual opportunity to revisit the client and to and to re-engage with them. So thinking about the UK financial advisor who might be looking for opportunities to widen their portfolios of products, how can they get involved with VSP and the vision care benefits? What, I, what I'll offer out is if people have listened to the podcast, had a look around on the web perhaps, seen what they like. If you're in, interested in communicating with us, please reach out to me personally. Um, my email address is jeremy.chadwick at vsp.com and I'll be happy to take any inquiries and, and help people. Do you find that employers need a lot of convincing to set up more than the very basic vision care scheme that they're obligated to do? so by law how, how do you go about convincing them to take that step up from the basic level so, so the big challenge with employers it, it probably comes down to budget there's no there's no lack of appetite people look at what we do actually our products relatively low cost but but any new spend is a challenge so firstly it's about helping say HR stakeholders communicate with people like the finance team and explain why this is a good idea and, and so we have considerable return on investment proof showing that there is a very high return on cost for our product so this isn't a, a fundamentally a cost issue. This is actually a profit opportunity. By investing in our product, you drive productivity and you drive health cost avoidance. So the finance teams typically get behind it quite quickly. They, they actually tend to quite like it. And then it's just about implementation with other employee benefits communications, benefit cycles. So th those are the big challenges, but they're not, they're not insurmountable and we have the experience to do that. Fundamentally, it's about looking at the existing cost base, finding out what really goes on in organisations, 
and trying to roll up those bits of budgets or unmanaged costs that sit around organisations, putting them into a properly funded solution like ours. Um, and it's actually quite interesting looking at what goes on even large organisations around this space. You know, drivers, there is a duty of care to drive and company car drivers, which is unmanaged typically. They, they have to be able to see properly to do their jobs if they're driving company cars. There is a, a corporate manslaughter and, and also a public and employer's liability obligation there. There's the VDU obligation we've discussed and safety eyewear. And, and typically all these, all these things sit in various different stakeholder pots or budgets or, or out-of-pocket expenses with, with considerable administration cost for various departments. And by rolling all that up into one budget, you, you solve a lot of people's headaches quite typically. The, the challenges are getting those people together and then, then getting that budget signed off on. One of the things that I have enjoyed most about starting and running the Empath podcast is talking to such a wide range of people with such a wide range of interests in different markets and different marketing disciplines. And I'm finding that I learn just as much as I hope the, the listeners of the podcast do and, and I've learned so much today about the need for good vision care and, and the different levels of care that are available. You know, I think I was probably in that cohort of people that thought that vision was just about the eye test. You know, can you see the letters on the top line and can you see the letters on the bottom line? Obviously, now I understand more about the, the health implications, the diabetes. The, I didn't even know that you could detect hypertension from the eyeball despite having endured that puff test. <laughs> so so this, this, has been, this has been a fascinating discussion and re- I've really enjoyed it and, and, and to sort of bring it to a close Jeremy what would you suggest is the one most important thing that you've learnt from the VSP business model that you'd like the Empath podcast listeners to remember for their own business success? I would suggest that when, when a change in an industry is needed such as the, the opportunity we face it's, it's better to be a focused and bolder disruptor than to sit back and go along with the status quo and perhaps try and compete at the bottom end of the market as a price fighter uh, you just you just then expose yourself to being disrupted yourself so we, we've you've got to have the confidence in in your own beliefs and known experience and, that, and that's what we're doing you know we're not we're not trying to compare apples with apples in our marketplace we are setting out a far better quality of service better product and what's in the marketplace currently whether it's financial services driven or video voucher driven or out of pocket d- just does not compare with what we do and you know i can say that very confidently because i know it's true and we have that confidence to know that that will create a better solution for consumers and employees as consumers. I'm definitely up for disruption. Having worked uh, a series of large insurance companies for so long I think the, our industry, financial services in general, just tends to move from one tiny evolution to the next and sometimes it's so important for somebody to take a bigger, bigger leap and disruption is, is really what we probably need in more aspects of the financial services industry if we are ever going to create a much better relationship with the consumer going forward. So Jeremy, just to finish off, in the Empath podcast I always like to have a quick fire round of business questions. Are you okay to stay for a couple more minutes just to do that? Of course, looking forward to it. Okay. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry or the the wider healthcare industry as well for that matter, perhaps by waving that proverbial magic wand, what would that thing be? Well, I think we're at a turning point in the market where a change is needed. We've got to look at new ideas and consider innovative solutions that have the greatest benefit for our clients. And that does mean being bolder and more disruptive. If you think about um, the App Store, I think it's only about five years ago the App Store was invented. Uh, and look at its, its profligate across everything you do these days. Even, I think even your fridge has an app these days. So when we look at what we do, the challenges are, for example, in healthcare, healthcare costs are rising, rising fast, what typically between 7 and 10% per year in terms of 
burn costs on large medical programs. We've got to find a new way to how to address those cost issues for employers and individuals who are, are, these costs are typically pushed onto. It, it's exciting to live in a time where technology and data offer insights into our overall health and non-traditional healthcare channels like eye exams provide opportunities for people to identify and manage chronic conditions and the consequences of those chronic, chronic conditions, the knock-on effects and, and drive cost avoidance into not just medical but life, pension programs, etc. That, that changes the market fundamentally and Ultimately, I guess all of this just supports healthier lives, you know, better, better lives for people uh, and reduces their healthcare costs. What's the one business model, product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year, even if it was from a competitor? Tell us what it was that you liked about it. I think it's been very exciting to see the new capabilities tied to technologies like wearables, including things like Google Glass. The future of these developments has the potential, Roger, to, to empower individuals with a window into their personal health and to allow for personal insight and customization within wellness and healthcare programs. Uh, it's about participation fundamentally. You can, you can choose to ignore some of these insights if it doesn't suit you. But if you do participate, then I think you can see the beginnings of a shift in the marketplace from a, a risk transfer health insurance model where you just hope somebody will pick up your costs to actually a, a health insurance, a sort of a whole-of-life health-type program where you're looking at the outcomes rather than the individual incidents that drive your health. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business. Well, well, I, I am a, a tech geek in, in my own little space, and we, we talked about uh, my fell-running passion, my, uh, my frustrated ambitions to be a great mountaineer earlier on, and I have a, a, a Sunto uh, watch sports watch which is just phenomenal and perhaps it touches on this this idea of helpful interference it doesn't just record what i do my timings my heart rate uh, my, my gps tracking etc but the watch is is personalized to me so i can customize all of the apps on the watch to the sports i do but it also reminds me when to go training next it, depending i can i can go out for a long bike ride and it record it and say well do you know what jeremy you just didn't train hard enough today because of your level of fitness and your ambitions you really need to work harder and so it'll tell me they've only got 10 hours training recovery or something or something like that and then tell me i've got to go again uh, and train harder this time um, yeah these things are quite fascinating now, i've got one it's called a jawbone and i can set it to uh give me a little nudge if I haven't done 10,000 steps during the day. It'll start vibrating. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is it's that guilty feeling knowing you should be doing something but can't or don't want to, um, which we're all, we're all human, but it's good to have uh, that helpful reminder. And finally, Jeremy, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. I'm not a great one for, for huge business tomes. And so the book that I really like is pocket-sized and, and usable. People may be familiar with the, the ancient Chinese general Sun who wrote very famously The Art of War and I read that when I was in the army and there's some great principles there and there's, a, there's an adaptation of that book which is The Art of War for Executives it, it's, um, it's a great pocket-sized guide to how to look at your opportunities and threats uh, and deal with competitors and also deliver your own strategy um, in a most efficient, logical way I, I really like it because all, all the business advice in it is only about two lines long so uh, it, it's very usable I'm all for simplicity Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on the Empath Podcast today it's been really fascinating to talk to you and before we finish tell everybody how they can connect with you on your website Thank you Roger so if um, you can either email me at jeremy.chadwick at vsp.com or you can also connect with us online at vsp hyphen uk dot co dot uk so thanks again jeremy and i'll wish you the best of luck for the future of vsp and i hope to catch up with you again soon thank you very much roger
Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast, also known as the Empath Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath for links to the apps and books and topics we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a comment. If you are a provider, advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model that you want to talk about, do please get in touch. I'd be delighted to have you as a guest on the Empath Podcast. And before we go, just to remind you that nothing that my guests and I talked about on the show is intended to be financial advice of any kind. It's just our thoughts and opinions. Okay? Okay.